Welcome to Feels Like Weezer, where we're discussing the uh, all the tracks and songs from Weezer, one at a time. Uh, I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. And I'm Zach Fracking-Smith. You can follow me on Twitter, at The Informal Log. Yeah, how you doing, Zach? Oh, I'm doing great. It's it, we, We're starting a new album today. That's right. This is, you know? this is, the, this is the Unreal first episode for the Green Album. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know what I'm most excited about, Eric? What's that? I don't have to talk about Pinkerton ever again if I don't want to. <laughs> if you don't want to. <laughs> if I don't want to. I mean, I will because that's just what I do. But I have the choice at this point to not talk about Pinkerton. Am I? Am I not going to be able be able to force you to talk about it at some point in the future? Say, All I'm saying is. Come on. You All I'm saying is, if, if you mention Pinkerton around me, you better watch your back. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't know where you live besides the general vicinity of a state. So, um, But yeah, today we're, we're going to be talking about the Green Album. That's right. Yeah, that's, it's our Green Album special. Uh, so we're just kind of going to go and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell, you, tell you a little tale Eric, right. how about that? Would you would you like to hear a little story? I would. It's, it's story time with Zach. Yeah, it's story time with Zach. You know. Uh, yeah. So w- w- uh, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna kind of chronicle what happened be- between uh, the release of Pinkerton and the release of um, the Green Album because this was when the uh, the hiatus happened. They didn't release an album for like five years. Almost. Um, almost five years. Yeah, and. So a lot of stuff happened in between yeah. there. Um, some good, some bad. Yeah, yeah, mostly okay. Mostly good stuff, I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll find out here. Are Are you ready? Are you ready? I, I'm sitting comfortably. Okay. You didn't ask. I I, <laughs> I, 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 heard, oh, I heard on the uh, John Tesh radio show today that you should actually sit on the edge of your seat. Mm. Because it engages your abs better. So, I mean, are you sitting on the edge of your seat? Mm, no. <laughs> okay. My knees fine. will hit my desk Just... if I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that problem. I'm really short, so um, that's why on the on all of our covers, I'm like a foot shorter than Eric. <laughs> if you can tell, I'm like I'm pretty sure why you did that to me. <laughs> well, I'm like five eight and a half, oh. and I'm just guessing you're like. Six five or something. I don't know. So, so I'm just like, yeah, I'm a little bit shorter than Eric. Uh, you know. Okay, so uh, 1997. Uh, the uh, uh, what? Two years after Pinkerton was released, or was it? The, when was Pinkerton released? I can't remember. Um, I'm pretty sure 96, because Green Album was 2001. We keep saying five years, but it, it was at the end of 96, and we and Green is right middle may of 2001 right yep yep uh 96 yeah why don't i just pull out my cd and take a look yeah okay so yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna start in 1997 we're gonna I was, I was five years old um so i was not aware of weezer but it's kind of good because things were not looking good for weezer at this point uh, pinkerton obviously wasn't a success you know like they thought it would be critics didn't like it they thought it was amateurish and whiny and fans were disappointed um 
you know, because of the shift of tone, you know, from the blue album to this. And this this really surprised me because a lot of the information that I got this from was from uh, John Larson's book, uh, River's Edge, The Weezer Story. Um, which Eric and I are both reading. Have you finished it yet? Uh, no, I've, I've gotten a no. little waylaid. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of yeah. where I am, too. I stopped about, about to the Green Album, yeah. and I'm like, eh. Well, I, I didn't go, eh. I just, I just, other things in life have gotten. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, we have life outside yeah. of podcasting. Yeah. Um, I know, it's really weird. So, uh, but what surprised me most was that Rivers is, uh, you know, he, he's he's pretty he's kind of a control freak, mm-hmm. um, and he was almost like mad with power, um, and he would he had to be on screen for like seventy five percent of the videos that they would do or something like that. Um, yeah, because and that, yeah. that that ratio seems off because shouldn't it be essentially twenty five percent because he's one fourth of the band, but in his mind, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, you know, and especially since he produced this album, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so one other thing that he would do was uh, he would pay the other band members based on what he believed they brought to the band, um, which I think is a little a little weird. Um, but during this time, and you can kind of, we talked about this a little bit during Pinkerton, He, you could see that he was pretty ashamed of what came out from uh pinkerton you know so after that after the tour was over he moved to boston um he was either going to finish school or drop out and play music on his own so he did most of going back to school i think he has like two semesters left um but he ended up you know quitting uh, to play music so uh pat wilson he went his own way to play in the special goodness which is his own band um, Brian Bell, he was working on demos for the Space Twins. Um, you know, so everybody's kind of doing their own thing, but uh, the biggest problem came in the form of Matt Sharp. Um, as we all know, bassist and founding member of Weezer, he split from the band at that point so he could focus on his group, The Rentals, um, in 98. So. There's always been some speculation as to whether this was an amicable break or not. Um, Rivers and Matt both say that it was, and that they don't have any hard feelings towards each other, but kind of based on what we saw during the creation of Pinkerton, and um, especially those, that, those latter few um, months of the tour and everything, it probably wasn't the case. Um, that's speculation on my part, but... You know, a, a lot of people thought Matt was kind of a jerk, um, and both Matt and Rivers have these personalities, especially the the especially the band members of his. Oh yeah, band he was leading, which Maya Rudolph was in that band. All that, <laughs> yeah, right. There's a lot of surprising <laughs> things I've learned from this from that book, but that was that takes the cake for me that Maya Rudolph played in Matt Sharp's band, The Rentals. Well, well, do you know do you know the other SNL member that had a band? Probably about the same time. No, I would say, actually. Fred Armisen. Really? Oh yeah. Well, and, and you know how he came in. I mean, what he was doing, especially in his first year or two, I would say roughly of of being on the show. It seemed like he kind of had these music 
you know, related things, skits that he was in more so mm-hmm. than others. Um, hmm. But but he was he was a drummer for the band Trenchmouth. Really? Yeah. God, I love Fred Armisen. He's so good. His uh oh, what in uh was it in Brooklyn Nine Nine? I think. Oh, really? Has he been on that? Well, what I saw him most recently in was James Hat Bob reboot. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, yeah. but I want to. Mm-hmm. It sounds so good. Anyway, so uh, yeah. basically, uh, the bands they they kept saying on their website that you know they're not broken up. They're still going to play together. Blah blah blah, and all that. But nothing was really showing that that was going to happen. Um, you know, because Rivers was alone in Boston, so all he did was write songs, but he felt like nothing was worth putting to tape. So what he did was he hired some new bandmates, which, you know, doesn't really <laughs> show well for the others. make it seem like Weezer was still yeah. a group. Um, and he started doing shows under the band named Homie, which, solid name, thoroughly appreciate it. Um, so he played five shows under the name Homie. Uh, usually three were, um, three of them were song Weezer tryout shows, is what he called them. Um, so he, it was music that he would think may be good for Weezer, and then the other two were uh, Homie tryouts, which featured like weird country songs. Yeah, right. Which, I mean, I guess that makes sense. As we see from the Red Album's cover, um, you know, uh, Cuomo's really been a big fan of his uh, his cowboy hats. So, um, so unfortunately, a final mix was not created for these, and you can't find them anywhere, really, um, in, in good enough quality to where, you know, you'd consider them good songs. But there is one completed song that exists. There's one. Do you know what? It's 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 gorgeous. It's wonderful. It's for the uh, classic Disney film, Meet the Deedles. Uh, the tagline of that movie was to protect and surf, which, I mean, come on. This is this was the '90s, so it makes sense to me. Um, so you can listen to the song American Girls. Um, which is the only homie song that was ever recorded and produced and sent out for, I'm going to put mass consumption in air quotes because mm-hmm. it was for Meet the Deedles. Um, no, no, that, no, that's not, that, that is a homie written song. It's, it's not a Tom Petty cover, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, because isn't American Girl, isn't that the Tom Petty song? Yeah. Singular. Well, what's the name of this one again? Oh, okay, it's Girls. Girls oh, okay. with an yes. S. Not, not, Not a Z. Now, here's a little bit of trivia. All right. Yeah. I'm always for trivia. Here, here, here's a little, yeah. Um, Neil Young. Mm-hmm. He, I've heard, and I've kind of seen some of the songs. I, I, I know some of the songs, I think, that where he's done this. I've come across them since I heard this, but uh, he will come up with new songs but title them the same as other songs on purpose. Really? Yeah. I guess it's smart. It's, they're not covers. <laughs> it's a new song, but he's just... I mean, and the title of the new song might make perfect sense, but he's purposefully 
That's solid. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to do things. Uh, I'm going to write a book uh, called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> it's going to be completely different from, you know, that J.K. Rowling stuff. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I think I think it would basically work, right? Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, homie wasn't working out for him. Uh, you know, so he, he disbanded the group and he moved back to L.A. so he could start working on Weezer stuff um, with Pat and Brian. Um, now, since Matt quit in 98, Mikey Welsh stepped in to play bass. Um, and this was the only album that uh, Mikey would play on. Um, he did do Valoria. That was his first song that he played with Weezer, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was looking at the AOL sessions for uh, Don't Let Go, which, very excited to talk about the AOL session on that song. Um, mm-hmm. And Scott's already a part of it. So, um, you know, that that was when Make Believe came out, so I guess that makes sense. Cut that out, Zach. That doesn't make any sense. Shut it. Um, so, everything kind of seemed to be going well. However, things just kind of petered off. And so, Pat moved back to Portland um, and just waiting for Rivers to kind of get his act together and, you know, actually write songs and record. But that didn't really help. Um, You know, so Rivers was still in L.A. He was super depressed, so he painted all of his walls black and put up fiberglass and covers on the windows, which, I mean, that's super depressing. (laughs) Um, and then he got braces on top of that, which obviously didn't help his self-esteem. You know, I I just recently did Invisalign. Um, I just finished that up uh, about, I don't know, like six months ago. And like that first month of having those, because you get these like little nubs stuck on your teeth, you know, and you have these plastic things you shove in your mouth and it kind of moves everything around. Um, they're removable, so they're like braces, but removable. Uh, mm-hmm. And you feel like everybody's constantly staring at your mouth and that you can't talk because you have like the world's worst lisp. So I can imagine for somebody who makes his living being a musician and a singer, a frontman especially, that that would not be very helpful for him. So in, uh, in 1999, the band seemed pretty dissolved at that point. Everybody was working on their own projects. 98? 1999. Did I say 89? Did I say 89? 99. 99. 99. 99. 99. 99. 99. Um, so during that time after you know 1999 and then you know when they started actually getting back to it and recording rivers wrote 121 songs half of which he put to tape as demos which is incredible i can't imagine doing 121 of anything you know like, if we ever reach 121 episodes of the podcast, that's going to be 
just <laughs> incredible. Um, so during this time, uh, so 99, 2000 in that area when I was uh, 7 and 8, Eric, I just thought I'd throw <laughs> that out there. Um, this thing, this little thing you may have heard of uh, called the Internet, it just kind of took the world by storm and it just kept growing and growing so weezer's fan base started connecting but from the internet and so that caused their fan base to grow um so with all of these we wheezies as i'm gonna call them uh connecting that caused pinkerton sales to rise as well um so this led to the band landing a gig with the uh, Summer Sonic Festival in Japan, um, which was huge. Uh, the rehearsals were going great, and you know they were they were ready to rock. Eric, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Uh, so on top of that, Pinkerton itself was just as we talked about was huge for emo music. Um, so. It really wasn't a surprise that in 2000 they were also asked to play at Warp Tour, um, which you know is like, I mean I didn't go to Warp Tour 2000 because, like I said, I was eight years old. Um, how old were you? Because I was, was anyway. Um, so <laughs> so I, I, uh, you I graduated know, I mean, college that year. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I didn't realize. In the year 2000. Yeah. I graduated college. In the year 2000. Um, that is a great bit. Uh, so they expected to get, you know, booed and all that. Because, you know, they're, they're pretty different from, you know, what you typically see at Warp Tour. You know, like your Fallout Boys, your Panic at the Discos, all that kind of stuff. Which I don't think they were around at this time. But, you know, that's kind of the basic kind of structure. Um but people like loved them, so they decided to go back to the studio. Um, in October of two thousand, I switched those numbers around again too. Um, they were ready to record, uh, you know, and they were going to go with or without a producer. But because Pinkerton didn't sell very well, the label required them to have one, mm-hmm. and so that's how Rick Ocasek got brought back in. Um, for green and you know it was probably a, a good decision honestly um so they had about 75 demos to weed through and you know rivers decided not to write songs about himself because he feels like that was a big problem with how pinkerton was mm-hmm. received um so carl coke unofficial fifth member of weezer because i have to, it, every time he gets brought up <laughs> in anything it's unofficial fifth member of Weezer. Um, so he would post on their website with updates and demos and everything. So, um, when Rick got a hold of the demos, he, you know, cut it down to 18 songs. Um, you know, 10 are on the album, eight of them aren't. You can kind of guess which 10 made it to the album. Um, so what they, they wanted to package, um, the album kind of similar to blue that's how we got the, uh, you know, basic them standing in the, kind of in the void, the green void there, um, kind of showing a return to roots. Um, and, you know, you can kind of see this because in the, uh, in the liner notes, there's a quote from Giuseppe Verdi, 
Ver- Giuseppe Verdi. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced in the original Italian. Um, which translates, I'm not going to try to you know butcher the pronunciation. Maybe that'll be like a Patreon exclusive at some point. Um, it translates roughly to, let us return to old times and that will be progress. So, you know... I, I guess there's one for, for the people who think that old stuff is better. But, uh, so a, another fun thing uh, about the packaging of the album, the the robots from MST3K, so uh, Tom Servo, Crow, and uh, I think Gypsy might be in there as well. Um, they're in the liner notes. Um, and Best Brains, which is the company behind... Mystery Science Theater 3000 is given a producer credit, so that's a yeah. It's just kind of a cool little, a cool little thing. I'm pulling out my uh. Oh yep yep, and uh, I can't show it to you because we're not on recording or anything. But um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, yeah, down in the corner, it's uh, Tom and is it Joel at this point? Hmm. I don't know about that. I... Because I haven't watched enough, you know. I've, I've seen I've seen it here and there. I've just never done a deep dive into the new stuff. Is pretty good. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I, I I really enjoyed the with, new episodes with Mr. Jonah Ray. Yes, with Mr. Jonah Ray. That. Um, and uh, Felicia Day and uh, Pat Oswald. Mm. Pat Oswald's character is hysterical in that show. Anyway, um, so let's let's do a quick shift to some sad news here um the founding members of the uh weezer fan club michael and carly who are huge fans of weezer and you know they kind of supported them as you know they from their inception as they grew um they died in a car accident in 97 so um they dedicated this album to michael and carly um which you know that it's it's a very nice gesture I think, and, you know, uh, especially for two really big super fans that, you know, did a lot of good for him, honestly. Um, so, Weezer, parentheses, the Green Album, was released on May 15th, 2001. Um, I was still eight at the time, because my birthday isn't until August, so, um, just, just letting you know that, um. So the album was really well received, honestly. It was, uh, you know, since it was that return to form, they, you know, it's it sold really well. Um, critics liked it. Some thought it was just okay, which I agree with them. Um, the fans liked it, for the most part. And then there were other fans who thought, you know, they were it was just full of, you know, boring generic pop songs and that, you know, it was lacking that emotional depth that the first two albums have, which I agree with. Um, But I honestly think that without the Green Album, Weezer definitely would not be as relevant or even exist today. Um, You know, I I think this was really a spark for them and, you know, kind of rocketed them forward. Um, So, yeah, that's... That's basically the Green Album. Uh, 
join us next week for Maladroit. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so, it, did I tell you a good story? Did, wake up, yeah, Eric. That was, that was a very good story. No, I wasn't napping or anything. <laughs> you can't see my eyes roll. Uh, <laughs> this is why we don't do, you know, yeah. <laughs> video recording as well. Um, so, yeah, we're so we'll be starting next week. Um, we're going to start with uh, Hash Pipe, the first uh, single that was released. Um, it's going to be... We're, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the Green Album. There's some really good tunes on this, but... And, 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 that, and it was released like about a month prior, and that's according to Wikipedia. According mm-hmm. to Wizardpedia, for some crazy reason, it's listed as the same date, May 15th. <laughs> It's the album. They need to, they they need me on their staff. I think. Yeah. Oh man, let me tell you, Weezerpedia. Like that doesn't sound right. All a, a lot of it really is. I like thank. I thank everybody at Weezerpedia because oh, yeah. without them, I would not be able to get as much information as I do. But a lot of the stuff is just copy and pasted from Wiki. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, or the other way around. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is just uh, Wikipedia copy and paste from Weezerpedia, but it's uh, I was kind of bouncing between the two, and I'm like, oh, it's the same. So, <laughs> but but someone at Wikipedia realized, oh, this isn't right. If they did copy it from Weezerpedia to Wikipedia, mm. so this this can't. I mean, it can't be. I mean, have you ever heard of a single come out on the same day as an album? No, it just doesn't sound right. I mean, look Does at not the make first single sense, for. Therefore, uh, it can't be. It cannot be. Well, the first single for Van Weezer came out six oh. months before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before its anticipated release well, date. That, that, that's the that's the Smashing Pumpkins model, which is <laughs> really <laughs> stuff. Whenever you, you just have it done, feel like it, and then eventually just do collect it. it as an album. Right. Which is what an album really, in a, in a sense, used to be a long time ago before people really thought. Okay, I have to re- release an album of these all these new, of these new songs going to be new and first heard. But you know when I mean the idea of an album is it is a collection of songs that mm-hmm. are probably out there. So, yeah, just my just my thoughts. Well, thank you, Eric. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you, Zach, for telling a wonderful oh. little story there. Well, thanks. I worked really hard on writing it. No, just kidding. That all came off the top of my head. I had nothing written out in front of me that I was reading from. Uh, so, Eric, are you? Uh, what what are, what are your kind of like general thoughts going into the Green Album before we've really done our deep dive? Um, it's you know for for me, I mean, just just a little bit of my history is that it's. It's an album. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I probably was aware that it came out because I wasn't actually in school anymore here in that at that point because mm-hmm. that's when I graduated the previous year and and uh, you know I and I had barely listened to Pinkerton maybe once or twice is probably all and I, I certainly hadn't bought it at that point um, but I was into Blue Album and mm-hmm. at that point that's for sure and uh, loved it but you know I mean it was it was really just. You know, it's it's been a while. Get you know, a while that it took until I really, uh, you know, uh, uh, listened to it more and more and more. And then just recently, 
you know, even the more deeper dive that I've done into some of the songs so far. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, but they, always... but they, they, they seem much more of the power pop variety, which in a sense, I think the blue album kind of kicked off, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about Pinkerton being like an emo, the start of emo. Well, I think blue is kind of the start of power pop. Um, and hmm. this, this is a continuation of that, I think more so. That's a hot take. And I like that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that take. Uh, I don't think it's as good of a power pop album. That's no. for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not, yeah, for me, it's not, it doesn't have the feels. That's right. For sure. but it doesn't feels like we, it has to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. New show. <laughs> Things right. that don't feel like these. Uh, green out. <laughs> Go. <laughs> This door, I don't know. I just uh, Mountain Dew bottle. No, uh, yeah, no. I, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I, I listen to this album a lot. You know, I've listened to pretty much everything of Weezer's a lot, um, and I've always been really lukewarm on this album. Um, and I just get less and less warm to it every time I listen to it all the way through. Um, so. So, so at some point you're going to be pretty cool and indifferent towards it. Oh, yeah. individually maybe I don't know, but like, it's the whole album. Ugh. Um, I do think Pinkerton is better than this. I will say that. Um, you know, like I said at the end of the at the end of uh, last season, that I do like Pinkerton. I just think that it is very problematic. So, um, but Green Album, it's very safe. And not nearly as problematic. Well, it's problematic in different ways, but, you know, we'll talk about that. So, all right. Anything else, Eric? I think I'm good. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for stopping in and listening to our podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, We uh, are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can check us out at pantheonpodcast.com. Eric's show, Almost Famous Minute, is also a part of Pantheon Podcasts. So you've got at least two really good shows and then some other really good ones as well. Um, So uh, you can find us on Facebook, Feels Like Weezer. Uh, You can also join the Feels Like Weezer Listener Society where we can talk about all things Weezer. Um, Twitter, right? Do we have Twitter? We have a Twitter. Uh, at Feels Like yeah. Weezer. Send us a, an email. Feels like Weezer at gmail.com. Uh, what am I forgetting, Eric? Am I forgetting anything? Uh, anything personal? You, you, I think you said your oh, right. handle yeah. at the beginning, right? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at The Informal Log. Yeah. And I'm at Lucky Mustard on Twitter as well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I know Eric's got to get ready for uh, for Watchmen tonight, so you know we better we better wrap this up here, huh? What? What? Today's Tuesday, right? Is it? Tuesday? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We record minutes before I upload. Um, that's exactly how it works. That is the funniest joke in all of podcasting. <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 